Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. I'm Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I am here in Studio C. That's right, C, whichever way that goes. C. <laughs> With Pastor Nick Plummer. How's it going? It's great to be here at Studio C. It is great to be There's here. There's a lot happening at our church when Studio A is taking up and B. Yeah, A is A is occupied, B is occupied, so here we are in C. We have a D that we've never used. Quantum Hut. And there's a possibility for an E. You know what we need? We need people to give. That's what we need. <laughs> so that we can get a permanent studio. Well, you know, this is good. So that we're not so mobile. We're mobile. We're it's thankful. One of the 42 encampments. We're thankful. One of the 42 studios. That's right. That's right. So we've got our tribes this time, you know, got some cool stuff here. That's we got right. The, the tribes, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And, uh, and we also have the Three Weeks of Affliction. Now, we are smack dab. In the middle of the three weeks of affliction. Yeah, because right June 26th in the evening began Tammuz 17. That's right. Which was the golden calf incident. Mm-hmm. Also, the uh, in Exodus 32, also the walls were breached um, of Jerusalem. that day. Of yep. Jerusalem before they destroyed the temple. It's leading up to the ninth of Av. And, uh, which is the destruction of both temples. Which would end on August 18th. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. August. No, it's no, July, it's July 18th. 18th. Yeah, yeah. July. Eight, it's three weeks. Yeah, please don't let it go to August 18th. <laughs> oh, and then we go to the next month for Teshuvah. Yeah, I'm good with Teshuvah. I'm not. I'm not really into the three weeks of affliction. Um, this is the second week, and like he mentioned, we are culminating on July 18th with the ninth of Av. And I know that Pastor Jimmy doing some teachings coming up. So if you guys finish uh, up the Book of Numbers this weekend, the Beit Tehila um, page. Now, speaking of which. The Christians with Torah Facebook page and the Christians with Torah YouTube. I need help. I need. I need. I need help. Right? People are listening to Come this on already. If you're listening to this, subscribe on the podcast audio. Like, please go to YouTube. And I think that what's happening. I'm gonna have to add maybe some meta data or something in there to add the word Christians with Torah because when you search Christians with Torah, it doesn't just pop up. Other videos about like should Christians keep Torah and things like that pop up, but like not our podcast. And the name of our podcast is Christians with Torah. Right. So help me out. You can search it by going Christians with Torah and then adding CWT to your search, and that usually pops it up. So help me out. Find it. Subscribe to it. Ring the bell. That's right. All that good stuff. If you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. Now, we're going to move a little quick today. As you can see, we're getting a little antsy, ready to go. We have two Torah portions to cover. That's right, a double portion. Uh, The first one is Matot, which means tribes, and it is the Torah portion found in Numbers chapter 30, starting in verse 2, and ending in chapter 32 and verse 42. And then we're going to finish out the book of Numbers with the Torah portion Masai, which means journeys, and it's the portion found in Numbers 33 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 36 and verse 13. Very good. So we're going to just jump right in here. Uh, we're in, the, of course, the third part of the book of Numbers, which is, of course, uh, it's at Moab, at the gate to the land, and this happens within a few months. Uh, these are chapters, chapter 22 and verse 2, all the way through chapter 36. You're at the gate to the land. You're just about ready to go in, and now we're going to hit it. Okay, in Numbers 30, verse 2, we have vows. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath, to bind his soul with a bond... He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Okay. So now this is uh, about keeping your word. So, so a father could break a vow that his daughter made upon, upon first hearing it. Right. So you can't just let your children do whatever they want to do. So you hear about your daughter. Right. She had said something. And the father <laughs> says, no, you will not be keeping that word. You'll be not keeping that. Yeah. Uh, he could break that. Right. I'm sorry. My daughter said, but she's under my covering. Yeah. I say no to that. And then, of course, a husband could break a vow that his wife made upon first hearing it. Mm-hmm. See, it's, it's not about being a male chauvinist pig. 
it's not about control or, or, or dictatorship or she's the weaker vessel. The husband is the priest of the home, the spiritual leader. Right. And so the divine order comes into play here. You know, whenever you make decisions in a marriage between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, uh, that's acceptable. That's great. Yeah. There's got to be some agreement. So basically what the husband needs to do is, um, you know, uh, I, I've had some situations with my wife. And it was interesting that I didn't feel good about something. And, um, and I kind of let it be known. But then I gave the okay. Ah. So then when it bombed and didn't work out, I looked back and I tried to tell her, look, I tried to tell you. Yeah. But you coerced me. You kind of were, you know. You worked I, me. I gave yeah. it to you. Yeah. Just like Adam ate the apple. Yeah. Oh. So I, I could feel it. I could understand. You know, hey, I love my wife, you know. Yeah. She's a woman. Yeah. You know? So nothing against the wife or, or the women, but I'm just saying that, you know, we, we just all have to make good decisions. So that's just something to think about. It now. is. But look, hold on. We'll, we'll do some commentary here, Ryan, but I just want to get to the bottom of this page. But could a widow or a divorced woman be held accountable for a vow she made? Yes. Yes, she Because she's by herself. Her that's father right. who's covering from heaven. Right. But she's got to make decisions because she doesn't have the man there. What did the husband bear if he allowed his wife to make a vow and did not keep it? He would bear her iniquity. Her iniquity. So ultimately, he's responsible. You know, it's interesting just going back to that situation with my wife and I, you know, uh, I had to deal with the pain. Mm. I had to deal with the mistake. Mm. I had to deal with the time and the, I just tell you that this is so true. <laughs> no, it really is. It's so true. Oh yeah. I had to fix it. Yeah. You know, and I had to deal with it. Oh yeah. And it's still hanging over my head, but we got it resolved, but it, it's interesting. So, so last but not least, why is it important to be a man or woman of your word? I want to turn it over to Ryan. Why is it important to be a man or woman of your word? So uh, without it, right, without being a man or woman of your word, or without the cultural and societal understanding that when you give your word, you're expected to keep it, everything would be chaos, right? Because you can't count on anything. There's no, uh, there's no safety. There's no security. There's no um, insurance that something is going to go the way that it's expected. Um, it, it's an it's a absolute system of chaos without being a man or woman of your word. Now, for us as individuals, right, um, there's a righteousness in keeping your vows, even when you really don't like keeping the vow, right? Because I think that a lot of times we're like, well, this doesn't suit me anymore, so I'm not going to keep my vow. Like you borrow money and then you don't pay it back. Right. Not not a good thing. That's right. Um, I think it's also interesting how uh, daughters and wives um, and children as a whole uh, have the benefit of having a covering, right? That's right. Um, the responsibility ultimately lies at the head of the house, and it is their responsibility to then okay or dismiss, right. you know, certain things. Um, which is why, you know, I, I think that's you mentioned divine order. I think the divine order is there for a reason. Um, you know, I think that God could have done it the opposite way and made the woman this or that. But we know, as you mentioned, Eve, that she's always going to be wanting that position, right? And we see it today that the woman is wanting to be like the man, wanting to have the man's position. Uh, you see it in you know modern day you know politics and things like that. And rather than just recognizing that men and women have better strengths than the other, right? They have different strengths. Uh, one of them does everything the other one can't do, and the other one does everything the other one can't do. And right. appreciating the roles that they play right. and how they complement each other, and when put together, uh, make the optimum you know scenario. We've uh, we've done everything we can to try to make everybody the same, right? So in our diversity and inclusion, right, we've we've basically tried to right. make everything uh, a big. You know, that's the thing. You know, if, if God's not the head, then we're in trouble. Oh man, yeah. That's so so the the thing is, in closing here, just one of the examples I'd like to point out is that even Herod kept his word. Oh yeah. He told his wife's daughter, ask anything you want of me up to half of my kingdom. She says, I want the head of John the Baptist because oh. that's what her mother wanted. That's right. So she asked for it. She got it. On a silver platter. Yeah. So he had to chop the head off of John the Baptist on a silver platter. Yeah. So once again, even. I really feel for John. Even evil keeps their word. Yeah. So let's move on with uh, Numbers chapter 31, Ryan. You're going to take on the war against Midian now. That's There's right. some recourse. Now, the enemy hits us, we're going to hit him back. Now, I remember previously that the Israelites were instructed not to war against Midian. Do you remember this? No, it was the Moabites and the Edomites. 
Ah, okay. All right. Because they're related because of Lot and Esau. But Midian is the son Midian of is Keturah. The, the son of Keturah. Yeah. So he's like would be like Saudi Arabia. Remember, these were the... Um, All a bunch of family members. Well, you know, um, King King Balak over Moab. Yes. But the, the Midianites were the elders right. in council, and they were in a, like a coalition together. Mm. So there's going to be a fight so against then, the Midianites. So then who was the enemy of Israel the Lord wanted them to fight? The Midianites. It was the Midianites. And the number of each tribe that went to fight the enemy was 1,000. Wow. So they took 1,000 men uh, from each tribe, so 12,000 total, to go and fight. Absolutely. Israel slayed all the males among the Midianites. So they killed everybody. And five kings of Midian were killed in the battle. Um, And here's the big one, because if we remember what happened to Balaam, Israel slew him with a sword. That's right. Balaam, you reap what you sow. That's right. Well, you know, he had, He could have walked away after blessing them. That's right. But he showed Balak yeah. how to get him to fall. That's right. So you reap what you sow. Well, and that's what opened the door to being able to fight the Midianites Balaam, because of that. You reap what you sow. So this is why, Ryan, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's so important for anyone listening to this podcast or watching, you need to love and bless the Jewish people. Yes. They have so many enemies. There's a lot of anti-Semitism. But if you bless them, God will bless you. We right. need to bless the Jewish people. Bless Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's it's a no-brainer, unconditionally. Just yeah. pray and love the Jewish people. Support them. Their homeland, their Jewish state, their, their, their right to build and to live there. We need to support that. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So what five things did Israel take from the Midianites? Oh, they took all the women, the little ones, the cattle, the flocks, and all their goods. So so they took the women, the little ones, the cattle, the flocks, and all their goods. Interesting. So they got all the spoils of war. That's right. Um, Now, Moses was angry because Israel allowed some of the Midianite captives to live. So this is interesting because God had commanded them not to do that. So Moses commanded Israel to kill every male among the little ones and every woman that had laid with a man. So <laughs> there's a judgment being met out right. across the people. Um, and they're, they're killing the seed uh, and they're, they're killing off uh, all of the women that had laid with a man. Um, and so they're keeping just the women that hadn't and all the young ones being women. And again, like they said, the cattle, the flocks and all the goods. So what two ways did Eliezer the high priest use to purify all the goods taken from the Midianites? Oh, fire and water. Interesting. Fire and water. And so what they did is they divided the prey, the spoil, into two parts. One part for those who went out to the battle, and the second part for all the congregation. So there's a benefit for being part of the congregation, but there's a bitter benefit for being those that actually went out that's good. I like that. I like that, too. I like that, too. They worked. Um, and so they did levy a tribute to the Lord of the men of war, which went out to battle. And so they levied a tribute, meaning like a like a tax. It's of some a tithe sort. or an offering yeah. kind of to the Lord for, hey, you know. When they, they levy something, they usually levy a tax. But in this case, this is levied a tribute, which is interesting. Which is honoring God. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. So how many Israelites died in battle against the Midianites? Zero. Not one. Zilch. None. None died. None. You know, uh, I'm reminded, I'm reading this book called The Cabinet. It's about George Washington forming his presidency and the government and everything. It was very interesting that uh, after they, of course, signed some treaties with Britain and everything, then France and Britain went to war. And so they were... America wanted a neutrality act. Yeah. But see, the French helped the Americans by giving them finances and loans to beat the British. Right. And soldiers. So what happened is a a, a French ambassador came and says, you owe us to side with us. Yeah. But if you're going to go neutral and do the neutrality act, then, then this is what's uh, very interesting because uh, America had signed some treaties with France, you know, but because of an act of war, America didn't choose Britain or France. But what was interesting was that they had these things that were, uh, in, in, in dealing with war with another nation, you had these uh, people called privateers mm. that they could actually fight the enemy with their private boats ah. and their personnel. Yeah. And then when you get the goods, you can keep them. Ah, so I if see. the French got a British ship, 
they can keep the ship, make it a French ship, and keep all the goods. Interesting. So the privateers would get involved to help the military. And then so they get to keep the they stuff. They get to keep the stuff, and they bring it to port, and then they sell it, and they <clears> make wow. money, yeah, yeah. and they turn their boats into their, their nation's boat. So if the yeah. French get a British boat, they can make it French yeah. or France. So And so I thought that was interesting. I was reading all that and these different treaties and the rights of war and, and, and what are the accommodations and what can you do, what can't you do. So what happened is the French were coming in and commandeering and, and getting these British boats and, and, and uh, refitting them to be you know used for battle. Sure. But they're not allowed to do that because America was in the Neutrality Act. So you can do these things, but you can't involve another nation in regards to doing that. Got it. So George Washington, to put the hammer down, says, we're not doing this. And so there was a big ruckus over that. Yeah. Because some of his cabinet sided with France because they helped America. (laughs) Right, right. And they were like, well, no, well, we can't really do that because we can't go against the, the British because, you know, we've already you know, forming a nation and everything. So it, it's it's interesting how this all kind of ties in, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to goods and everything, you know. Sure. Uh, just like uh, when, uh, you know, the Boston Tea Party, they, they didn't do any vandalism or any harm except to the tea itself. They dumped it into the bay. Yeah. And they didn't break or hurt anybody when they did it. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it was uh, an act that they wanted to perform against Britain because of the taxation. Right, right, right. So anyway, let's move on to uh, three tribes settled east of the Jordan. Uh, It's kind of interesting. Uh, Which side of the Jordan River did Gad and the children of Reuben want to dwell with their cattle? They wanted to dwell on the east side. On the east side. Hey, listen, you know, I've been up in the Golan Heights and on the east side of the Galilee. It is beautiful country pastures they grow stuff matter of fact if you go on our youtube channel and you'll see a jeep tour that's on the east side of the galilee when you see all these fruit trees yeah it's amazing how beautiful it is you know it's interesting um the theory that aaron lipkin came up with specifically about the east side of the jordan and how the tribes that wanted to and it lists it specifically here was reuben and gad because i had he had called it out right and i said oh reuben gad and the east you know half tribe of manasseh and he was like wrong and i was like uh and so there's a supposition right that the sons of joseph and their family right and their tribes so to speak were able to come back and forth during the the captivity or prior to being yeah, slaves because central israel's a, a lot of manasseh Right, that, but that's another half-tribe, right? But they're saying that there was a group that was already there, and that's why the half-tribe of Manasseh is listed Oh, right, that's that going to mess everybody up. That is gonna, well, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, because you think about it, you think the exodus that everybody went over, but yeah. what, he, what he was suggesting is that because Joseph was you know, basically the leader of Egypt, right. that he allowed his sons to go back and forth and be stewards because it was Egyptian land, right? Egypt had an empire— there, Interesting, and that they had already settled somewhat in that east side east of the Manasseh Jordan. and then west Manasseh. Right, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, oh yeah. So, did the two tribes agree to go and fight across the Jordan for the other tribes? They did. So Reuben and Gad. Yep, they did agree. You know, it's interesting, Ryan. We got to fight on this side. Yes, before we can fight over there. That's right. If you can't fight here, you can't fight over there. You're not prepared. What did David say? I killed the lion and the bear. That's right. I'll kill this uncircumcised giant in the name of the Lord. Yeah. That's right. So what four things would the tribes of Gad and Reuben leave behind in order to help the other tribes? So they're going to leave behind their little ones, their wives, their flocks, and their cattle. Their little ones, wives, flocks, and cattle. So what tribe, in addition to Gad and Reuben, had a possession of the land east of the Jordan River? Manasseh. So you see how it separates it out? Yeah. I've good. never thought about see, it that way. we really got to break it down. Thank God for I've Judah. Never thought you know, about it. You know, they've only been studying Torah for 3,500 <laughs> years. Oh, oh, sit down, Judah. Sit down. I've been in Torah for 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I got a lot of it. A lot yeah. of it. No. 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 No, it's not good at all. No, no, now, not. you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, to go tribal. Tribal. We're going tribal. Wow. Um, so once again, we have this allotment and everything going on here, mm-hmm. and uh, well, that's that's really good. We're moving we're, we're moving really good today. We are. We're moving right along. We are moving right along. Look at this. Very interesting. And you know, the east side of the Jordan is 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 Jordan, the country of Jordan, pretty much. I mean, today, yeah. And they're they're in peace with them, pretty much. And I think uh, they do Naftali, have a treaty. Yeah. The the prime minister of Israel, the new prime minister, the thirteenth prime minister, Naftali Bennett just made a, uh, a, a very 
gracious, uh, kind gesture towards Jordan to give them more water. Ah, very nice. Yeah, for a cheaper price. Yeah, they also Let's just made a, a treaty uh, with South Korea for uh, to share vaccine. Interesting. Yeah. So here's the question in regards to we figure out all these tribes and this inheritance. Why is it so important for the whole house of Israel to be regathered and restored in the last days? So What's your take on it, Ryan? So there's a couple of scriptures here, but I, but before we even bother with the scriptures, I'm going to give it to you. I think that I want to see what you know. That <laughs> I think that it's important because before we can see the manifestation of all the things that we're hoping for, right? First, what happens is you have the two sticks becoming one, right? So you have the restoration of the regathering. So of the, the valley of dry bones becomes an exceeding great army. May yes. 14th, 1948, Israel becomes a nation. Yes, it's a Jewish nation. Yes. And then we move, keep moving on within that chapter. I believe it's verse 15. Well, even, even before that in Ezekiel 37, this exceeding great, great army is referring to the northern kingdom of Israel, right? So I think a lot of us assume that this is talking about the Jewish people, and it very well could be part a of part of it. Yeah. But I think that even more than that is the fullness of the Gentiles, There's right? more soldiers. That we're waking up. Exactly. It's an exceeding great army. We're talking more people than you can count or number. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, and so I believe that includes many of the Christians that are waking up to the relevance of Torah, right? To the relevance of Israel and the Jewish people and how we have to work together to... A, be productive for the kingdom of God, and B, to fight the enemies that are coming for both of us. Because we could either, what is it they say? We could hang together, or we could hang separate, you know? And uh, I think it's it's better to hang together, so to speak. Um, not meaning literally hang, but to be together so that we can avoid the separate hanging, if you know what I'm saying. So. You know, um, it was interesting that... Um there's verses about people coming out of the nations to help the Jewish people. And mm -hmm. I don't have time to get into that. That's a whole other teaching. Yeah, of course. But, but that's really what's happening, you know. So Christians United for Israel is a great organization, but they don't really have a horse in the race like we would. Right. You know, we're saying, hey, you know, we'd like to have a Beit Tila Israel. We'd like to be in the land. We'd like to support the country, but practice our faith. Yes. As Christians. Yes. And to, to build an association. Well, what we're saying is that there's a national identity of Israel, right? There's the sons of Jacob, <clears throat> and there's a national, a commonwealth of Israel. Right. It says very clearly in Exodus, right, that Israel goes into Egypt as a family, <clears throat> but they leave Egypt as a nation with a mixed multitude with them. And it's important to understand that distinction right. that we are grafted in. We are part of Israel. We're citizens of Israel Right, because that's in Romans. <clears throat> right. Wild branches. Right. Yeshua is the root. There's natural branches. In Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, commonwealth yeah. of Israel. Once we are far away, we've brought near. That's right. Both Peter and Paul say, once we are not a people, but now we're a people, where that's they right. get that from? The book of Hosea. Correct. So that's what's really cool, is not to debate this or argue, but to live it and share it, the great the great truths of all this, you know. So as we, as we look, Ryan, um, which is so cool, I tell you, you know, and that's why I just think it's great. Um, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Matat or the tribes, um, from Numbers 30, verse 2 to 32, 42? What two things do you have that stood out to you in this particular portion that you really enjoyed? Uh, I would say be careful what you agree to. Um, especially nowadays, uh, I would say get it in writing. <laughs> because... Um, you know, I've been in positions where people have made vows, so to speak, or a handshake agreement. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and uh, it didn't work out so well. Um, you know, people's memory uh, lapses and things like that. So I would say that if it's good enough, uh, even if you're good friends or family, if it's good enough for you to agree to, it's good enough to write it down and, and, uh, and put it on paper and sign it. So that way that you all have uh, that's a, good, a that's very a good clear point. outline of what you've agreed to. Because... That way there's no misinterpretation. You know? That's a good point. You know, I would say this, mm -hmm. though. Uh, uh, always keep your word, number yes. one. Yes. Always keep your word like you're saying. You know, my kids would tease me all the time. Daddy, you're a man of your word. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I say, uh, yeah. you can go swimming. Yeah, that's right. Or I'm going to get you a little candy bag. <laughs> Daddy. My, my little Eva's got those little eyelashes. Oh, yeah. She's like. Daddy. Just think, this is how You're God feels when we go and we were quote scripture back to him. Well, you said here. We totally violated the covenants. We totally. You know, and, and let me <clears throat> share this too. This is what's so exciting. You know, uh, the land of Israel is part of your inheritance. Oh, amen. The first thing promised Abraham was land. Yeah. And See, he was an Iraqi. That's right. And he became the first Hebrew mm -hmm. who crossed over the River Jordan. That's right. From the Euphrates. So he, he had a crossover. 
it's interesting. We have to cross over. Yeah. So I would say to any Christian that loves the Jewish people and loves Israel, you know, we talk about a vacation place or a timeshare or whatever. But the bottom line is that if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. So there are Christians that want to live in Israel. Yeah. Let's just put it like that. Oh, yeah. Not everyone, but there are Christians living in Israel right now. Oh, yeah. That are over there. I'm Christians. thinking the mountains of Ephraim or the Sea of Galilee area. Um, or well, Jerusalem. We, we, I mean, we I probably got to hit Judea or Samaria, but you never know. We might be on a special mission in Galilee. Mm. I mean, uh, Capernaum was Yeshua's headquarters. That's what I'm saying. I like. So, so you know. my take on it is: how exciting mm. is all of this when you think about it? Uh, so, well, you know, I, I'm excited because I feel like if if we're Christians, that the mindset I think of most Christians when they read the prophecies. Like, we're talking about the restoration and the regathering of, of the whole house of Israel, the two sticks becoming one, all of these things that are coming in the future. There's a mindset that reads the Scripture and says, oh, look what God's going to do, you know? And then there's a mindset that says, oh, look what God is letting me participate in. And I think that when we realize that the prophecies are there almost as instructions for us to do and to, to participate in, then we really start to understand. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's right. So if he doesn't have participants to do this, right? Somebody's what are you going to do? Why not me? Pick me, Lord. Pick me. I want to do it. I want to do it. You know, it's interesting. The um, Well, I'm going to move on. <laughs> that was not going to be... Uh, Wisdom. Well, yeah, because time is of the essence. So, well, and we're now jumping yeah. into Messiah. So, so we're in the second portion Take now. The journey. And I'm going to let Ryan handle this one. Uh, Israel's wilderness encampments. Yeah, that's right. So question number one, how many places did Israel camp at while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? 42. Yeah. So there's some people out there listening that might have been part of a military family, and they felt like they moved a lot. They know what moving right? is. Yeah. They felt like they went to too many schools or whatever, this or that, right? They lived in too many different cities. But did you go to 42? In forty years, huh? No, no, I don't think I don't think most wow. people did. That's a lot of places to go to. Um, I think that you know by the time they were done with all of this, because uh, obviously one of the things that needed to happen was there's a whole generation that needed to die off. But the second thing was that God was really teaching them some lessons as they wandered through the wilderness. And so uh, my prayer is always not to be in the wilderness, that God may have already taught me the lessons and I'm walking in the truths that God has taught me so that I can not be in the wilderness. I want to be in the land. Amen? Um, now, you know this, right? The congregation of Beit Tehillah is currently at its eighth location. Whew, thank God, not 42. Hey, listen, you want to Beit Tehillah Israel, when we get over From there... From the living room to here is eight. That's New b- beginnings. But what I'm saying is once we get to Israel, that'll be nine, and then what? Fruit. I mean, do we? Ha- spirit, how many places are we going to have to go to in the land before oh, we settle? Just one big one. Yeah, one big just settlement. Like a nice big hilltop, right? Um, you know, that's the the big news right now in Israel is uh, the the hilltop of Eviatar, right, where they're going to put a military base. So all the people are having to leave, and they're going to be putting a military base there. And then I think that uh, in six months or so, the hope is that the residents are going to be able to come back to their homes. But right now, they're being displaced. So. Uh, here's a question for you, Pastor Nick. How many places have you lived since your birth? I'm actually writing them down. You go first. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm. I think when I counted before, it was somewhere around ten. Um, I don't quite exactly remember all of them, but it's 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 a few. Um, I mean, I was born here in Tampa. I've lived in Crystal River. I've lived in uh, Michigan and Arkansas. Lived in Tallahassee. That's five. Um, and then. Uh, since I've been here, we I remember we lived in a, a place over in Valrico, and then I lived in uh, a place in Brandon. And then since I've been married now, I've lived in, you know, it might I might be working on like maybe 12 or 15, actually, now that I think about it. So uh, it, it's a good it's a good number. You're you're still writing, huh? You're going to come up with an exact figure. Well, I'm just off my head. Um well, let's see. Okay, so I would say Dayton, Ohio I was born. Yeah. But I don't know how many places I lived there as a child. I was like one or two when we moved to Florida. Moved to Florida. My dad lived in a trailer. Then we went to Westbrook, which is a street, Coolidge Street. Oh, yeah, Westbrook. Russellwood Condominiums. I went to school and lived in Illinois for a year, for my 10th year in high school. Went to Central Catholic High School. Went oh, to, wow. Went, and uh, then I had a place... Um, 
uh, near Armwood High School in a trailer park. The guy had some exotic mm-hmm. cats there. And we had to leave there. I went to 301 South and lived in my trailer. And then I had Polo Apartments, Brandon High School, right over by that place. I forget the name of that apartment. Then I went to Bloomingdale Apartments. Then I lived off of, uh, then I lived in, uh, I want to say, uh, off of Durant. And then, um, let's see, after Durant, oh, my, my duplex. Oh, yeah, the duplex, the famous duplex. Then I duplex. lived at uh, 1200 Lithia. Yeah. Which is your current place. But then I went, because when my father-in-law passed away, we got a home. Ah. Clover Hill. And then we went back to 1200. Mm. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 places. Wow, yeah. 16. You're a regular Bedouin. You know, I'm a gypsy. <laughs> I'm not bound by homes. Just walk uh, away. Yeah. No, I feel you there. We got to get cruising here. Um, I'm feeling keep, pretty keep good. Keep it going. I'm keep feeling, it going here. That was... I'm feeling... We're doing great on time. Makes you think, though, if it you does. think how many places have you lived. It makes you really stop and think. Yeah, it does. All right, so then uh, while camped out in the plains of Moab, what city were they near? Jericho. Jericho, that's right. And so you got to think this is 2 million people. And again, one of the things that Aaron mentioned that made me think was that maybe the military encampment was you know over by Jericho, and then maybe they had... Uh, the rest of everyone further north. further north because they said they crossed over what is it Bashan yeah or? because remember when the when the Jordan River was stayed right it was a pretty great distance between two two locations yeah absolutely. it wasn't one little bridge right 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 so who were the children of Israel to drive out once they passed over the River Jordan all the inhabitants of the land I want to mine says all I just want to this is it's, does your now, have the now word going all back on to it? Jericho, Mine says all. Did yeah. you see all? I want to remind all of you uh, all. the principle of tithing. Jericho is the first city they take. Yeah, and they tithe off it. Ah, they give a tithe. That's right. That's right. So it's the first tithe city. So yeah. if you want to look at the principle of tithing, uh, praise the Lord. You know. Um, so keep it going, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So here. Numbers chapter thirty-three, verse fifty-four says, "And ye shall divide the land by lot." For an inheritance among your families, and to the more ye shall give the more inheritance, and to the fewer ye shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth, according to the tribes of your fathers ye shall inherit. Interesting. This is interesting. So they're uh, they're kind of getting ready to go into the land. They're going to be taking the land, and they're they're trying to get everybody's mind set on hey. We're going to give tribal allotments, and then within your tribes, you're going to have you know your allotments by family from there. And remember now, God wanted them to go into the land to get the bad people out. That's correct. He was cleansing okay. the land. Yeah. So he was cleansing the land. Uh, and so, you know, uh, if, if, if you want to understand something, everyone, about the principle or why is Jerusalem so important or, you know, his name is there and everything. But if you go back and you study it, I personally believe— from the scriptures, that Jerusalem is the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. It's yes. where it all began. Oh, yeah. They're always trying to say Mesopotamia and Africa, and this is where man was created and evolved. And I mean, I don't know. To me, it's got to be Jerusalem. Because <laughs> yeah. he kicked them out of the east, and that's Babylon. Right. To the east of Jerusalem is Babylon. So there's true religion and there's false religion. That's and right. That's what's going on right now. There's a lot of chaos and confusion in the world mm-hmm. and false religions. There's only one true God and one true people that's right so israel is the the true witness in the last days israel is Mm -hmm. and so as we come out of the nations as we have our witness god is counting on us to to be that people yeah because if they say well who are you or what do you belong to i'm a hebrew costal that's right you know uh you know i you know it's just it's just real simple you know and because of the scriptures and the times that we're living in for such a time as this we were born so it's like, well, how come my parents didn't get it or my grandparents? It's because now is the time for redemption. Now is the time for God's plan yeah. to really kick in. I mean, if you stop and think about it, Ryan, I don't have to have all the answers. Right. But when we go into the Bible, we can say, what's this about? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. What's this scripture? What are th- who are these people? What are they doing? 
This is a prophecy about some people in the last days. See, this is where everybody goes wrong with eschatology. They want to look at all the events that are going to happen. True prophecy is what are people doing in the last days? That's right. What are they doing? You know, I mean, really, what are people doing in the last days? Right now, uh, it's not good. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> ask people, what are you doing with your life right now? Yeah. Okay, think about it. And listen to what they say. Mm-hmm. But if we can say, hey, we're building a strong community, raising up the next generation. We are a part of the restoration, the regathering, the whole house of Israel. Who can beat that, Ryan? How yeah. about this? I got a million-dollar company. Mm. Good. Good for you. Yeah. What about God? Yeah. Yeah, what about yeah. others? Right. You know, hey, you know what? I've got, you know, I've got, uh, you know, 10 million followers. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what you're going to show for your life. Yeah. Well, what what are you... sound really good. What are you leading them to, I guess, would be the better question. What do you want to show for your life? Yeah. You know? You know, you mentioned uh, Jerusalem being the Garden of Eden, and I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, from a scientific perspective, when they talk about uh, the origins of, of life and things like that, they talk about the different river valleys, right? So you have the Fertile Crescent, which is between the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers. That's true. And then you have the Indus River Valley in India. You have the Yellow River Valley That's right. in uh, China. And then you have the Nile River Valley in Egypt. <clears throat> and so what what do all those things have in common? Well, they're all kind of spread out around Jerusalem. And in the scriptures, it's very clear that there's four rivers yeah. that come from the Garden of Eden. That's right. Right. That's that, true. That's and good. so, with that in mind, that's one of the cool things. Actually, Lars, who's coming soon, Lars and Arson, you guys have seen him on the podcast before. Maybe we can get him on again. Um, but uh, he wrote a book, "The Joy of the Whole Earth," and it talks about Jerusalem being the Garden of Eden. It talks about the rivers and why they have you know evidence of where the rivers were and all these types of things and. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I uh, I'm a I'm a believer that Jerusalem is is Lev Haolam, right? The center of the earth. Let's do it. <coughs> so what's going to happen if you don't hmm. kick them out, right? <laughs> so if if you don't kick them out, there'll be pricks in their eyes, thorns in their sides, and they will vex them. You know, I just think <clears throat> about that prophecy. <clears throat> you know, they they take these bombs and put nails and screws in. Oh, them, I know. Ugh. And they go through people. They shred meat and skin, right? And bodies and ravage <clears throat> them. You know, so literally thorns in their sides, yeah. nails and screws. And literally. That's so. like those pressure cooker bombs, you know, that they use. It's bad. Um, what two men were responsible for dividing the land among the tribes? Eliezer mm. the priest, who represents mm. the Levitical priesthood, the tribes of Levi. That's and right. Joshua the son of Nun, who's an Ephraimite. What? A mature, responsible one, by the way. That's right. With great experience. God is looking mm. for a mature, responsible Ephraimites. Right, so it sounds like they have a meeting. They took a prince from every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. That is so cool. <laughs> it is cool. And so how many cities did the no, Levites... it's my turn now. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Thank I apologize, you. right? We go from chapter to I'm chapter. Worthy. We I'm mix it up. Please forgive me. We're not going to hog the podcast because that's what I like to do. I know, I know. I'm I know. speaking for myself. I know. <laughs> how many cities did the Levites get for their inheritance? 48. They got 48 cities. That's now remember, right. their inheritance is the Lord. Right. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. So they're kind of, you know, they're not really into possessions and all these other things because they're serving the Lord. That's their inheritance is the Lord. So how many cities of refuge were given to the children of Israel? So the cities of refuge were six, three on the east side, three on the west side. And what are the names of the three on the east side? So the names of the three on the east side were, where's this? I got you. I'm you just did. messing you did. with you. I was going to say, it's because like Hebron. No, no, no the Hebron's on the west side. Yeah. Sorry. Here it is. It's, it's Golan, Ramoth, and, and Bezer. I actually have a map of that. That's right. In my Bible. And I'll have this one to the west, though. These are some great cities to the west. These three are Kadesh up in the Golan, right? right. Shechem and Hebron. How about that? Six. I know. So cities of refuge are very important. It's kind of interesting that, uh, of course, Shechem and Hebron is controlled by what? Controlled by the Palestinians, the Arabs. See, the cities of refuge are little squares. And then they're trying to make them give up Kadesh to Syria. So I've been to Shechem. Yeah, you have. I have. I mean, I say I've been there. I've stood on the mountain right above it and looked at it. That's what I got to do. Joseph's tomb. Yeah. And uh, the six cities of refuge were divided up with three cities on the east side of the Jordan and three cities on the west side. The purpose for the cities of refuge was to be a refuge for the children of Israel, strangers, and for the sojourners who kills anyone unaware. 
The right. Avenger could not kill the Manslayer while they are living in a city of refuge. The person who fled to a city of refuge had to stand before the congregation in judgment. So there was justice. So it's a way to, to hide while you're waiting for your trial. Waiting for your trial Got to it. be safe because the Manslayer is coming, the, the kinsman. The Avenger. The Avenger. And, of course, what is a Gaal? But it's an Avenger. That's right. Yeshua is our Avenger. If the person was found innocent whom the Avenger pursued, how long did they have to remain in the city of refuge? So this was interesting. It, it's until the death of the high priest. So, I'm, I mean, I don't know what the rhyme or Even reason is Even if they're innocent, that. they got to wait for the high priest to die Correct. before they can get back their inheritance because a, a sin was committed, even though right. it was unintentional and they're not guilty. Right. It's still a sin. Right. Sins of ignorance. It still happens. So the Avenger could kill the person if they went outside the borders of the city of refuge. Yeah, that's not good. Wow. So you got to wait, you know. So why are we tying all this in? Because of sin, whether it's known or unknown, where would the manslayer go to after leaving the city of refuge after the death of the high priest? He would get to return to the land of his possession. See, so because there's sin, it has to be dealt with, and then you get your inheritance. Right. Because sin is not of God, but he is a remedy for it because he gave us free will. Right. We're the only creatures or creation that has a free will like that. And so so, so know, I guess I think that the piece here that's inferred that I don't think we all think about is that the, the revenger, right, the next of kin, the closest kin, or the kinsman redeemer of the person that was killed— uh, had some sort of uh, a right to slay the person that killed their family member. And yeah. and so the reason that you had to stay is because you had to stay till the death of the high priest. And at that point, either the anger of this person was no longer kindled, right? Or B, right. now the law would say that they had they would be committing murder if they were to kill you at that point. Now... Interesting little uh Well, because here's the deal. You know, things. who's our mediator but Yeshua? That's right. How has Yeshua, our high priest, given us our inheritance? So I, I, I got here, I'm just going to read one reference. There's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. There's also Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Also Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verses 11 to 22. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. God bless Yeshua. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I'll just never forget, you know... Um, the, the soldiers seeing the temple veil being torn from top to bottom, meaning that, you know, a lot of people say that this gives us access to the, the throne and all of that through Yeshua, which is which is true, but also believe that, you know, Yahweh wanted to come out. Yeah. And, and, and be dispersed, you know. Yeah. So once again, uh, Yeshua uh, gives us our inheritance. And that's the thing that people want to debate and argue with us all the time. And I find that the Messianic Jews in particular like to make the accusation that we teach the two houses and it's a form of replacement theology. Totally false. Yeah. Those are false charges. Those are lies. Okay. The Jewish people are the natural branches. They are the chosen people of God. Yeah. But the olive tree is made up of Jews and non-Jews. So Yeshua is the root, but it's made up of Jews and non-Jews. That's why we're grafted into an olive tree. Right. Not a coconut tree, <laughs> not a banana tree. Okay, we are we are grafted in. Therefore, we should have a right action, right, as a wild branch, right. to say, hey, you know, I'm a non-Jew. That's what a Ephraim would become is a multitude of nations. Now, I'm saying this, Ryan, in all sincerity and honesty. Go look at it up for yourself. Go look it up for yourself. Yeah, Ephraim would become a bunch of nations. The word is goy. Yeah, goyim is plural. Yeah, so do. I get do, it. Do the translation. You know, do the understanding. The people that are against the two house teaching, they're against a different form of. They they think that what they're saying is that they're against the idea that somehow through British Israelism or whatever that we are bloodline These descendants. Charges, yeah, but it has nothing to do with no. We don't. Any of we, that. we we don't buy that at all. Doesn't care. But I had a question one time that just occurred to me in in when, in regards to that because replacement theology is the big issue here because. Honestly, replacement theology is a is a doctrine from the pit of hell. 
Um, we haven't replaced anybody. Christians no. haven't replaced the Jews. The Bible is very clear, right? Paul says in, in Romans that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God is not taking away what he has given to the Jewish people, period, end of story. So we don't, we don't need to re-debate that. But I found it interesting because if, if, the, so if they've said that the two-house teaching is anti-Semitic, and they've said that the two-house teaching is replacement theology. Right. And so the question I posed, I said, look, we don't believe in the whole bloodline thing. We're not trying to trace our lineage back. I didn't want to get into that. But, but let's just say that we were, okay? Because we're not, but let's say that we were. How is claiming to be a descendant of a Semite people anti-Semitism or replacement Paul theology? Paul says don't argue and debate over genealogies. Yeah, but that's the part I didn't understand is like you're claiming to be a Semite and somehow that's anti-Semitic. I just didn't understand. I was like, uh, now granted, there's a whole crew of those people that it, like are very anti-Israel. They're very anti-Jewish. They deny the Holocaust, all this crazy right. BS. And we don't associate ourselves with those people. We actually disavow that 100% altogether. But the people that get confused about this and think that this is heresy or this or that, it's because they're, they're arguing against a straw man that we don't even buy into or believe in. We're saying that Ephraim becomes a multitude of nations and that the nations awakening to their Hebrew roots and coming back, that this is Ephraim and because we're part of the commonwealth of Israel. Are, we, and we're responding in faith. Amen. With a right action. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Amen. If you ask us, what do we believe? What are you doing? We'll show you. Come, come to Beit Tehillah. Watch our services. Our services are who we are. That's right. What else do you got for me? That's right. Well, my thing here, how has Yeshua, our high priest, given us our inheritance? I would say Dayenu, because I think of the Exodus. I think of what he's done for us. And even if all he did was make it so that we didn't have to die the second death, right? That we didn't have eternal separation from God, um, and that everything that we got was in the next life, uh, I would say that would have been enough. Because um, Dayenu means it would have been enough. But he didn't just do that, right? He conquered sin, death, and the grave for us so that we could live in this life with abundance and have an inheritance in this life. And that he made us the seed of Abraham right. and heirs according That's to right. the promise. We're in him. And so that to me is above and beyond because th- there's the, the mercy of God. Right, that, that stays our execution, that we don't get the punishment that we rightly deserve according to God's law. And we recognize the Son of God for who he is, Yes, because without him we can't come to the Father. So it's what he has done that allows us to do what we do. And it's the grace of God. That. I, that's what I got to struggle that with. That gives us all these extra bonuses. I mean, we get the bonus package. Look, at we're sitting here it's reading eternal. the Torah portions. It's eternal. But the Torah portions. God's blessed us so much that this is the old church we're in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love to say that. Hey, where are you at? I'm at the old church. I don't know about you, but I'm in Studio C. It sounds I know. way cooler. Well, it's a dining room. It's a nursery. It's, <laughs> it's a multi-purpose. It's a multi-purpose room. So go on. What else do you have? All right. So let's keep rolling. Could one witness testify and cause another to die? No. No. No Everything way. in the Torah, no way. when it comes to convicting somebody in the, the court of law, so to speak, had to be established at the, the, uh, the testimony of... Oh. Two you know, or three witnesses. I, I love this because in my family, I use this. It works. <laughs> That's right. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, yeah. It works. That's right. Because here's the deal. One kid comes to me about another kid. Oh, yeah. So you know what I tell that kid? I need two witnesses. Mm-hmm. They don't come back. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So there's more to the story that I don't even need to know. Yeah. That's right. So they look at me. They go, and they walk away. But they don't come back with another witness. Remember what they did to Yeshua? Yeah. They did a lot of things. False witnesses. False witnesses. Yeah. There's nothing worse than being accused of something you didn't do. Oh, yeah. No, that's pretty You know, the whole amnesty thing? Yeah. Amnesty International? Mm. How many people are locked up that are innocent? Mm. That's what happened to Yeshua. That's right. All our sins were put on him. He was said he's full of devils. Yeah. I just, he was beaten. Ryan, the man is a true man of God. There's no greater man than Jesus Christ. Oh, amen to that. Who could be a greater man than Jesus Christ? And I can't put up with nothing. To die for the <laughs> very people that are plucking out his beard. Forgive them, Father. They, they, forgive uh, them. They know not what they do. What? I know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, wow. Yeah. That's pretty selfless. So, all right, here we go. Numbers 35, verse 34. We're, we're coming close here. 
Defile not therefore the land which ye shall inhabit wherein I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. All right. It's instructions on inheritance. (sighs) This is good. You know, don't defile the land of Israel. You know what's really sad is the LGBTQ parade in Jerusalem. I mean, that's defiling the land. Let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah, I'm just saying. So all I'm saying is that don't defile the land, you know. And I'm sure there's some some things going on that are not kosher. Why don't they just have like an an adultery parade? I'm just saying don't defile the land. You know, but I'll tell you though, Ryan, and I'll just say this though about the land. Come on, somebody. I'm looking at the clock and it's on my side. Are you ready? Yeah, you're doing good. I just feel inspired to share this. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Oh, yes, yes. You know, I was asked one time for National Day of Prayer in Tampa, downtown Tampa. They called me up personally to say a prayer. There you go. And I could say any prayer I wanted. And I'm like, Hmm. Lord, what can I pray? (laughs) (laughs) Guess what came to me? (laughs) Excellent. Guess what came to me? (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I proclaimed it in the city of Tampa. Yeah. It is this. It's Leviticus 25, 23. And the title is the Sabbath years and the year of Jubilee. I was about to say the captives, but, right? But here's, but here's what's, what's, what, the, what the prayer was. It says, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Mm. So I prayed for the land of Israel, Come on. that it belongs to the Lord, and he, he wills to who he wants to have it. That's right. And so I prayed that prayer. <laughs> and, and so I, I look at that, mm-hmm. and that's interesting, but also... I would like to say that as far as this goes, that verse is very good because uh, the land belongs to God. But the thing is, you know, uh, if you'll go back and look in Joel, you know, he's mad at the nations for dividing up his land. Yeah. So he's not happy with it. So so that's important to know. Uh, don't defile it. Um, you know, we, we dwell, were just talking about how, of Israel. how God, you know, puts up with people. And puts up with things. I mean, even the taking of the rainbow as a symbol of pride. The enemy in always sin. perverts the things of God. Well, and those those are things like I mean, God really has some mercy. Like sometimes when I just think about, even for me personally, the amount of mercy that God exhibits on a daily, weekly, monthly basis is astounding. That He hasn't struck all of us with lightning, um, and I know that He's tempted to at times. And I know that there's an intercessor, that Yeshua is literally oh, there right. at the throne of God, interceding on my behalf and your behalf and right. everyone listening on their behalf to, to stop, right? But, I mean, there comes a point where, right, that the, the, the gavel hits and so make let's your stop decision. and think about God's plan of redemption, progressive revelation of redemption that he's doing throughout from Genesis to maps. He's got this incredible plan, right? Well, check this out. I, I just reminded of this. In Amos... 9.15, and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. So God's name is at stake here. Even though yeah. there's secular government, there's all kinds of different factions of Jewish people there, and the Druze, and, the, and Islam, and Christians, yeah. but God's name is at stake, and it will not be defiled. His name is at stake, and he's going to accomplish exactly what he wants to do. So we're finishing up here. In Numbers chapter 36, we have the instructions on inheritance. In Numbers 36, verses 1 through 4, Ryan, were the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh concerned that the daughters of Zelophehad might marry to another tribe and thus diminish their inheritance. They were. The daughters. The daughters. Do you remember the daughters? I do. In the last, the last podcast, actually, in the last tour portion, in there was five uh, Pincus, of them. right? There was five daughters. Yep. I got five daughters. You do have five daughters. You've got three daughters. I've got three. Yeah. So, what answer did the Lord give in regard to the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh's personal inheritance? So, the daughters of Zelophehad had to marry within the tribe of Manasseh. Which makes perfect sense. It does. That's pretty cool. It does. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, let's look at Numbers thirty-six seven. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Wow, that's pretty cool. It is. So where was the place that the commandments and the judgments were given? 
The commandments and the judgments were given in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Wow. That's right. So there's like... So we... uh, So basically, when we finish a book, we have a saying, but we'll we'll do that last. But check this out. Check this out. What do you got there? Because the last verse here in the book of Numbers refers to a covenant that was done in Moab. Again, another thing that Aaron Lipkin kind of brought to light, because he's going around the land. He's saying, hey, this covenant here, this covenant there. Um, But it says, these are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. So this is a, a separate set, right? So he does the ones that are at Horeb, which is Sinai. And then here's one that happened See, that's deep. at Moab. I know, that's good. It is. Judah knows how to tear it up. He does, man. So what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Masai, Masai, Journeys? Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, all the way through chapter 36 in verse 13. Ryan Cabrera. Ryan Cabrera. What's your middle name? Anthony. Ryan Anthony Cabrera. That's right. That's right. Well, first, you get? I, I would say first off that, um, you know, we're all murderers, so to speak. We've all had hate in our heart for our brother at right. some point. And God has given us through Yeshua a city of refuge, um, that he is our refuge, that we can run to Yeshua um, and that the, the punishment that would rightfully be ours through the salvation given by Jesus Christ uh, we don't receive that punishment. And then uh, the other piece I would say is uh, pick out your piece, you know, pick pick out where you want to be. You know what I mean? There's wow. there's inheritance. Century 21's everywhere. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> those are good. Yeah. Let me hear those again. I have to repeat that. All right. So yeah, my number one. Yeah, yeah. What was my number one? My first I one. I was kind of lost in my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But I want to catch it. Okay. So my, my first one was... Uh, about the salvation through Jesus Christ, that the punishment that is rightfully ours, right, that uh, we would have received, that we have refuge. I was taking the city of refuge, and Ooh, I was comparing I like it that. to Yeshua. That's good. And then the second one is pick out your, pick out your spot. That's incredible. Where, do, where you know, do you want to be? It's so funny, you know, if, if, if you were like a motivational speaker. Oh, man. Like, like I'll, I'll be your guest speaker today. I'm a motivational speaker. If you read the Torah portions, you could just be an international motivational speaker. Oh, I'm going to give you two of them. Ready for this? I'm ready. Make sure that God decides your journey. That's right, yeah. Hey, is the road that you're on leading to God? Mm. Make sure God decides your journey. Mm-hmm. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Let him write your story, right? Number two, I love this. You should want all the inheritance that God has for you. That's right. Well, how is that relevant, Pastor Nick? Well, let me tell you, Ryan. My Aunt Jean left me an inheritance. Oh, praise God. So I'm, thank you, Aunt Jean. And I told my kids, we thank God for Aunt Jean and our new couch. and yeah. No, really. We, <laughs> yeah. I tell my kids. Yeah. And they're all like, you know, thank you, Aunt Jean. Yeah. So yeah. sweet, her memory. Yeah, 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 Blessed be her memory. But just recently, um, I just received some more inheritance just out of nowhere. Really? So I read this. Nice. And I'm like. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'll sign it. Nephew. Yeah. Nicholas E. Plummer. Yeah. In the mail. Nice. Maybe even like... Uh, Whatever. I'm just saying that... No, no. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just got a download. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Th- oh, this Ryan. Think about all the awesome things God has for us, Ryan, that he just gives it to us. He offers it. Here's a place. Here's this. Here's that. Oh, look. Here's a Jeep. Here's whatever. For yeah, you. whatever you need. No, I'm just saying, yeah. how cool is that going to be? How yeah. much does he want to give us gifts if he can trust us and we can receive them and use them accordingly, see? Yeah. Not to take it and say, oh, I'm going to use it for myself. How about a four-wheel drive, whatever, 15-passenger van? Whatever. With you know a good suspension on it to go How about around? a bulletproof Humvee? Yeah, <laughs> that fits 10 people. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So we got to do our Hazak Hazak. Let's do ready? it. Let's do it. One, two, three. Hazak Hazak Vanish Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and, and may we be strengthened. strengthened. Now it's time to pillage. I'm glad that we're done with the book of Numbers. You know, we made it. It's all about numbers. Numbers don't lie. But don't you feel like we made it? You know, and now we I've get to go so into Deuteronomy. And Paul just warned them. He warned the church of Corinth about yeah. this. Yeah. This is what Christians don't understand. The church doesn't understand. The apostle Paul was a Benjamite. Oh yeah. From the land down under. 
From the land down And he did not eat a Vegemite sandwich. No, Vegemite. But you're thinking of Vegemite. He was the tribe of Benjamin. <laughs> you know, and Vegemite so he goes to the house of Joseph and pulls out a people for his namesake. He was not part of the Vegemite tribe. It was the Benjamite. The Vegemite the ben- sandwich. <laughs> so, Father, we love <laughs> you and we thank you. We just praise your holy, holy name, God. We thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that uh, we haven't had to go to 42 encampments, Lord, but that we will go wherever you lead us in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right, guys. God bless you. Have a great week.